Sup Thrill Seekers, I'm Dev. And I'm Connor. You're listening to the Masses Terry Podcast. And honey, I'm home. So welcome or welcome back to the Mass Hysteria podcast. Um, Connor just said before we went on air, on air, you know what I mean, that uh, he is the personality of the cast. So his return to safety. Do with that what you will. In the podcast is important. Um, Devin may need to support network, but we all know. That's true. Voice of reason. Yeah, whatever you want to call Um, And I'm small but do it all (laughs) that's actually accurate we are over tired um (laughs) but we have a wild case i know we say that every week but this one we i know we are 24 hours late by the time you hear this but it's kind of cool because that means it'll come out on october 1st and it's kind of a spooky 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 season related so Wait, Devin, when does our giveaway happen? Our giveaway closes on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. That's You're right. You are more than just the personality. Um, I'm here for the lead-ins. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your uh, call to action. If you haven't entered, follow us at the Mass Hysteria podcast um, and post your story. Our, I guess it'll be our second post because we'll have one yeah it's like our logo if you post that Mm -hmm. picture you'll see it tag us and say your favorite episode and you'll be entered into the giveaway of a lifetime it'll be epic it'll be so cool um if you're wondering if we are also annoying ourselves at this point we are so we are but we love it we're here for it and you have to suffer if we have to suffer um and so this episode actually before we get into this do we have a mass hysterical Oh, um, no, I do not have a mass hysterical, but I do have um, a pretty bad autocorrect. Ooh, we love that. Uh, I, you know, being the bilingual queen I am. Obviously. Was trying to um, use, like, Spanish. Someone was like, como estas, one of my friends, right? So I was trying to write back, muy bien, you know, practice, mm-hmm. get get up to speed again. Um, and it corrected to, nuts down. <laughs> Can you imagine someone being like, yo, how are you? Nuts down. Oh my God. That's um, so funny. We should start throwing it in. Also, uh, I forget who I was talking to, but I asked someone recently, you know, like with Halloween coming up, oh, what's your favorite horror movie? And they they freaking said Disturbia, which if you've never watched it, they kill redheads. <laughs> That's the whole movie. Mm, I understand why this this might be popular for some. <laughs> Connor's like, I'm makes taking note notes to for phone. later. Watch Disturbia. Um, underline, underline, <laughs> underline. So I'm a horror movie fan. You are a horror movie baby, right? I'm a horror movie baby. I just watched Chapelweight. Have you watched that? No. You would probably enjoy it. It's a Stephen King short story they made into like a six episode thing, and I am terrified of vampires now. Mm. living in the walls yeah i i am just not scared of movies but anymore i used to be a baby when i was young i am like true crime love it puts me to sleep <laughs> horror movies that are definitely fake can't sleep for days <laughs> uh what category does the disturbia movie fall into? 
Oh, that's definitely like a fairy tale. Mm, okay. <laughs> Killing redheads? That sounds great. The world cannot survive without the evil side of redheads. Um, so this episode is extra special to us because we won't mention them by name in case they want to rena- remain anonymous. But the research from this episode, some of it, was shared with us by... A good, good friend and supporter of the pod. Yeah, a pretty good, pretty good friend of the of the pod. We, uh, you know who you are if you're listening, and we appreciate you, and we miss you. We um, do miss you. So, if you have suggestions, this is our inbox is always open at or the mass hysteria podcast at gmail dot com, or you could send us a DM. Or so, Facebook message. We do have Facebook. I'm in charge of the Facebook, though. Yeah, that's so, why there's no content. Um, yeah, there's Sorry. very very little content. Um, but I'll, I'll try to be better. I try. I probably won't be, but I'll attempt. He's he's a struggling student right now. I'm a struggling struggling at life, really, is what we're I'm struggling just, at. You should see we're sitting on a mattress with no sheets on, and we're both wearing socks that definitely need to be washed. We're doing great. Um, <laughs> if you fall into that boat of the... I'm great. Thanks for asking. Hee <laughs> If you fall into the, uh, I reused my socks boat, raise your hand. Um, okay, so now that we're rambling. Not your foot, though, and please. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're still listening. Uh, let us dive right in. Are we ready? We are ready. And let's go. Okay, so for decades, Hollywood has been fascinated by thrasher films and horror stories. In the 1980s, one of those famous gory thriller franchises Friday the 13th came to the big screen. Did you ever see Friday the 13th? Yes. Really? I did. Guess who's playing Jason? Oh, no, wait, never mind. No, Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that I thought you were talking about a scary movie, too. (laughs) um, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a comedy. Anyway. Yes, that's uh, the scariest movie I've ever watched. No, I'm teasing. um, No, I didn't see Friday the 13th, actually. Yeah, well, if you're not a horror fan. I haven't even watched Hocus Pocus. Okay, yep. Um, yeah, so I'm now accepting applications for a new co-host. Uh, <laughs> yes, please do. Um, but no, if you're not a horror fan, one, like kudos to listening to this episode, but I'll give you a quick synopsis. Fictional character, Jason Voorhees, he dies in a lake because the camp counselors were getting down and dirty instead of watching the campers. If you sent your kid to a camp where they had like teen counselors, you you had to kind of expect that to happen. Oh, anyway. I mean, yeah. Um, not victim blaming, just saying. Uh, depending on which film you watch, Jason and and or his disgruntled disgruntled cook turned murderer mother terrorizes those who dare to visit the haunted great campground because it was haunted after he died. Uh, if all of this still sounds unfamiliar to you, or perhaps you have never actually watched it, you may still be familiar with the Jason costume, which is a hockey mask with holes and has like red markings on the side. Jason often carries a machete-style weapon that he slings over his shoulder, and it would be 100% terrifying to encounter in real life, but luckily for viewers, when they turn off the nightmare, they can just resume their regular routine. It's a movie, after all. Once the reactive shock settles, we are all able to carry on with our lives, and part of this stems from our innate abilities to separate fictional stories from reality. We can perhaps suspend our disbelief for 90 minutes, but when the credits roll, we snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Okay, sorry. That was the wrong wrong medium, but you get the point. I loved it. Um, Maybe I've taken it for granted all these years, but I always assumed when I watched a horror movie with a friend 
that they too knew that the plot was just a fictional piece of entertainment. What happens when you can't separate the two, though? Or even worse, what happens when you take on the plot line as part of your own story? In the 1980s, Greenfield, Mass. was home to around 18,000 residents and had a quintessential small-town New England feel. And please, someone check us on how many times we say quintessential New England in our podcast. Not enough. (laughs) Perhaps it could be like a, a cute drinking game. Maybe to be seasonal, you could like use pumpkin head i don't know just an idea do what you want in your own home you can just but like usually people <laughs> listen to this and feel like they're wearing headphones you're just like, drinking by yourself or driving that's so, true don't drive and do that please drink responsibly yes uh anyway i digress so late on october 24th of 1988 greenfield teenager mark branch dressed up as jason Voorhees and broke into the home of sharon gregory Sharon was a student at the local community college, and she had dreams of perhaps studying psychology one day. So she was a liberal arts major, and she did know Mark. They weren't the best of friends, but he was the clerk, and she knew who that was, obviously. You know, she went to the grocery store. So Sharon was just 18 years old when Mark, who was 19 at the time, stabbed her to death inside of her family home. According to AP News, her body was found by her twin sister Cheryl the same night. Her body was in a bathtub, and the police quickly were able to confirm that she had died from the stab wounds. But they were left with two huge unanswered questions. Why did this happen? And more urgently, where was Mark? Halloween, as the youth refer to it, was fast approaching. Was their main suspect hiding in the shadows, waiting to strike again? The town entered a state of panic. Greenfield was so quaint. Neighbors didn't lock their doors. Kids rode bicycles to school. What would happen now with a killer on the loose? How could they catch him before it was too late? Who remembers the good old days of video stores? Oh my god. Um, I have a funny story. There was like a local video store in uh, my, I think it was like my hometown or town over. And we used to go there sometimes. And I remember going to the back. And I was like, wow. I want to see if he remembers this. I was like, wow, dad, there's so many movies about bunnies. Because they all had like the Playboy over them. Because oh it was like. Porn. I mean, I was going to say it. <laughs> but now you know. Um, so this video store, it was like, it carried a lot. Because I remember counting the bunnies one time. Do you remember at video stores when people would rent porn or like R-rated movies? They would put them in like the popcorn bags. No. You never saw that? It was like a privacy bag. Apparently so Connors like, rented a lot of porn. So like you had to bring it up to the front in like this little bag. Oh my God. You never, you don't remember that? No. Oh my God. Um, If you were born around the same time as as us, you probably remember Blockbuster. Uh, I used to get a free movie if I got good grades on my report card. Like the manager, the manager would um, give you a voucher. And I'm convinced that I got into college solely because I wanted free movies. (laughs) Like we always say, if it's not free, we're we're not not interested. Um, (laughs) Well, when you're a video store regular, the staff might know exactly what you like to rent. In Connor's case, apparently a lot of porn. Um, Obviously. (laughs) Maybe you're a sucker. I'm kidding. I was not even, number one, I don't rent porn. Number two, I was not even old enough. Backtracking people. I was not even old enough. Trying to cover tracks. You heard it. When the last movie store that Breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway. I'm just going to let that one go. Yeah. Maybe you're a sucker for rom-coms or a fan of thrillers, or maybe you slyly rent some of those bunny movies like Connor and head on your way. <laughs> well, according to Wesley Alexit and Charles Loven for the Springfield Union News, 
Bob Questnell, he owned a local video store near where this happened. He had noticed early on that Mark Branch gravitated to a specific type of movie. In the newspaper article, uh, the, these two men wrote that, quote, Branch has been a constant customer and occasional helper at the store since 1983. This took place in 1988, so you remember. Uh, renting and purchasing hundreds of horror videos. Questnell even told the source that Branch, quote, strictly rented gore, period. The gorier, the better, end quote. And when you hear this, after learning about the horrific murder he carried out, it becomes all the more chilling. Mark Branch was so fascinated with horror that he inserted himself into this kind of fantasy world. His movie viewings were really research rather than spooky entertainment. He was taking notes and immersing himself into the world in which he wished to be a part of. Questnell told the Springfield Union News that he could have seen Mark's crime coming. He told the Nashua Telegraph that, quote, Branch was strictly horror. I don't think he would watch a regular movie. I'd watch a horror movie and get a kick out of the special effects. But Mark may have actually believed it, end quote. The police were focused on catching their prime suspect, Mark, who was now missing. Four days after the killing, the Nashua Telegraph reported that it was the third killing in less than 18 months within the county. All local residents felt unsafe in their community now, but especially the women. What drove Mark to kill, seemingly randomly, this young woman? Dorothy Sharon, a neighbor of Mark's, told the Nashua Telegraph that, quote, it's not fair to worry about walking through a lonely parking lot or coming home to an empty house, end quote. I cannot imagine worrying about coming back to your own home or fearing being alone at night that someone might break in. A small town was now the subject of national attention, and residents were desperate to locate the man behind this horrific crime. According to the Springfield Union, over 150 people attended the funeral service for Sharon, set up a week after her death. The community mourned the loss of such a bright and talented young woman who had her whole life in front of her. A week after Sharon's death, the man responsible for her murder was still at large. As a safety precaution, local authorities effectively canceled Halloween. Trick-or-treating was supposed to be only for close neighbors and during daylight hours. A fun night of sugar highs was not worth the risk that the murderer would strike again. The town was deeply traumatized, not only by the loss of one of their own, but the fact that Sharon was so young. The Springfield Union later wrote that, quote, Many have been tormented by a range of emotions about the fact that one kid allegedly killed another kid, end quote. Many teenagers in the area knew both Mark and Sharon, or were even friendly with both of them. In the days and weeks after Sharon's death, multiple manhunts were organized to search for Mark. His car was found after the slaying on a street in Buck Buckland, Mass., uh, which neighbors Greenfield, but the trail kind of dried up there. Um, some people believe that he maybe left his car there as a way to distract the police. Other people believed that if he was still alive, he would be hiding out in the woods and that the woods were like, there was no resources. So he had to have been only like mere moments from death. The cold New England fall nights are no match for a person ill-equipped to be outside. Still, others were worried about the possibility. And this is what I would definitely be scared of is that the possibility there could be copycats. Yeah. Um, according to the same Springfield Union article I mentioned. Those who were in favor of carrying on Halloween as scheduled felt that by canceling it, they were giving Mark the power he desired. They were, in a sense, making him the central figure in a real-life horror movie. 
And while the manhunts continued, authorities warned local residents that Mark, quote, should be considered armed and extremely, I repeat, extremely dangerous, end quote. That is so scary. And if there's one thing we know, New England towns do well. It is banned together to start Facebook wars. I mean, oops. I mean, I love a good Facebook war, but um, I feel a little called out here. But um, <laughs> wrong decade. It is that New England towns, people in them, band together to find fugitives in the woods. They're really good at creating like search parties. And I think that's still true today, actually. The search for Mark Branch was no exception. People came from all surrounding counties and towns, and together they hunted for branch in the forests and wooded areas. According to an issue of the Springfield Union from November 6th of 1988, a burglary was reported on November 1st, close to where Sharon's family lived. It was presumed to be connected to branch. Over 150 people would come to search the area, hoping to find some indication of where Mark might be hiding. The police thought they might be onto something on November 4th when there was a supposed sighting of Mark fleeing into a woodshed in Buckland, that town we talked about earlier. Um, at first, this showed some promise, and the residents were able to quickly to come together and canvass the area. But as the hours wore on with no signs of Mark, authorities became frustrated. Were they too quick to consider it a positive identification of their suspect? Greenfield Police Chief David McCarthy told the Springfield News that, quote, there, is only, there was only a 60-watt light bulb on the porch, and the windows were dirty. There's no way an identification could have been made from what must have been at least 30 yards, end quote. Canine units traced a scent leading from the woodshed, but the police did not know if the dogs were picking up the wrong scent. The scent they were following seemed to end around the train tracks, and some were quick to say that perhaps... Branch could have jumped on a passing train to escape the searchers. And was it likely? Probably not, but it was definitely plausible. As someone who has found myself stuck for 20 minutes because of a passing Massachusetts freight train, thank you, Air Massachusetts, Yeah, I can confidently say yeah, that he would have probably have had multiple car options to jump aboard and ride away from the very people desperate to locate him. I'm not trying to offend anyone when I say... That the 80s were a long time ago. We know how much Connor would give to spend eight, 10 minutes even yeah, in the me. iconic decade. But I think this is important because teenagers did not have cell phones constantly at the ready. There was not easy access to the types of technologies we have today. So as the manhunts continued in the days and the weeks after Sharon's death, local residents had theories of their own as to what may have happened. In a November 11th issue of the Nashua Telegraph, quote, Chief David McCarthy said investigators are working on a theory that Branch either died in the miles of woods that police have given up searching, or he skipped town with the help of a friend or a passing motorist, end quote. The public was still confused, though. Why would Mark target Sharon specifically? If it was a random attack, that would be one thing, but this was an attack on a person he knew. According to Ranker, the police chief claimed that, quote, Sharon Gregory had in her possession a psychological profile of Mark Branch, and that profile was wanted so badly by Mark, he didn't like having it, and he wanted it, end quote. Uh, she knew that he had a dark obsession with gory horror films, so she wrote a paper for one of her classes about the topic. In an interesting twist, the Huntington News claims that the actual paper has never been found. Weird. So how exactly the authorities caught on to Branch immediately after the crime is not completely clear to us, 
Perhaps it was simply his horror obsession. Um, however, as time has passed, Mark Branch's early life has fallen victim to urban legends. According to Ranker, one legend has it that Mark used to call up girls from his high school, terrorizing them about all the different ways he would want to kill them. His obscene phone calls have never been confirmed, but if they did happen, this could explain why the police thought of him as the first and only suspect. The manhunt for Mark Branch came to an end on November 29th, over a month after he killed Sharon. According to the Huntington Daily News, the partially decomposed body of Mark was discovered around 8 a.m. by a hunter in Buckland. The Nashua Telegraph shared that the hunter had been out looking for a deer when he stumbled upon Mark's body. He was found hanging from a tree oh by his belt. Authorities were able to identify him as Mark Branch when they found his license in his wallet. His death was ruled a suicide, um, though the exact timing of it was not known. It was assumed that he had been dead for a few weeks, though, based on the decomposition. In fact, like some of the articles said, that they were surprised he wasn't found sooner, like because hunting season. So uh, hunting season had been going on for a couple weeks before he was found. Court documents claimed that Branch had been acting out the, quote, final chapter in his own version of Friday the 13th. He needed to murder to fully take on, like, who Jason was. Branch was clearly suffering from a mental illness, and his obsession with horror movies came at a terrible cost. Um, his parents have apparently, I, we can find, I can find their organization and link it in the episode notes, but I think they've set up an organization and donated some money to help um, like children that are suffering mentally the way that Mark was. Um, but this case is just, I've never, you, have you heard of this? I had not heard of it. I had not it. heard of it until our source shared it with us, but um, it happened right in Massachusetts and very spooky and very, sad that he thought sad. that his life was a horror movie. Yeah. Um, so... Next time you watch a horror movie, remember, it's a movie, it's fake. Make sure that the people you're with know that that's true as well. Right. Um, or if you're Connor, just avoid horror movies in general. That's what I do. I feel safer doing that. Um, but, yeah, so I will find the charity and we'll, we'll link it in the episode notes. But thank you guys for listening to our, our first episode during uh, Spooktober. Oh my god, you're so right. I love We're how so we like... milestones this year. We like introduce these themes... And then we like two, three episodes on them. Hometown Horror Series is over. Horror, remember, two syllables. That's over. And now um, we, I guess we'll try to do some spooky stuff. Yeah. But shoot us suggestions. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to this first episode. Um, we hope the Gregory family is healed and, you know, has found a peaceful way to move forward. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Stay safe.